right, here we go. It is Doc Talk time. My name is James Pikeway. Dr. Neil Galatoly is joining us again. He's back in the podcast studio here at the Rove, and we're going to be talking livers, which I think this is going to be a lot of fun because, you know, and, and why it's going to be a lot of fun is because as soon as Dr. Jenna said, hey, let's, let's talk livers and let's get Dr. Neil back in, I kind of went, I don't even know where my liver is. <laughs> and then I started thinking, okay, I've heard liver disease and I've heard there's, and, and I kind of went, I don't really know anything about a liver, nothing. And I thought this is, and then, you know, so then you start doing some research and then I realized this is like the second largest organ in our body pretty much. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's it's a big, big organ in the body there, and uh, it's it's super important. It kind of acts as our body's factory, or you know, manufacturing center. It's a recycling center, and it's a waste disposal unit. So it's got a whole bunch of important jobs. We need our livers. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> we need to be looking after our livers. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. It's, I, I kind of frame this as the one hundred and one of livers, and you know, let's start right at the beginning. You know, what what are liver does where it is why it's important and then i'd love to talk about liver disease and all you know there, i obviously it was even reading about uh cancer of the liver and issues with bile du- bile ducts and i was kind of going I, I like all of this it was like a whole new world just opened up to me <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking you know th- then you start reading about you know how to maintain a healthy liver and and i'm just going oh man I, I'm wondering, I, I'm thinking I'm not a minority in the world of liver knowledge. And if there's anyone to help us get there, it's you, Dr. Neil. So well, let's see if we can do that. <laughs> and, you know, you're totally not alone there. To be honest, I think a lot of doctors get slightly nervous when they see people with kind of blood tests showing they may have a liver problem. And it's like, oh, my goodness, me, liver sounds scary. Where should we uh, send the patient to? But, yeah, let's have a chat about livers. It's, uh, it, it should be a good conversation. So how does, how did, how does, how do livers fit into your specialty? Um, you know, they're this sort of added bonus. Gastroenterology <laughs> is, uh, as you know, kind of like the tubes on the inside. So it's the stomach, it's the intestines, it's the colon. But like as a little added bonus, we get the uh, the liver and the pancreas as well. And I guess because uh, the liver, it has a role in digestion as well. It's uh, intimately connected to the gut. So yeah, I guess that's uh, how we gastroenterologists get involved in liver disease as well. When, when I want to jump back to gastroenterology just for a second mm. when you're when you're studying delivers factor in prominently in your studies or is it as you said is kind of an add-on um no it's 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 a core part of okay. the uh, training in gastroenterology now you know if you want to go and work in say liver transplantation that's an add-on because okay. that's pretty super specialized stuff but in terms of dealing with day-to-day liver disease that's very mm. much part and parcel of gastroenterology and you know in a typical clinic you'll be seeing uh, you know a few people each day with liver related issues okay so what does the liver do Alrighty. So like <laughs> let's just jump into it. Yeah. What's Hold it on, I gotta, I gotta take some notes here. Mm. <laughs> so it's got it's got a whole bunch of jobs. It's got like over five hundred important functions. And I'm not gonna you know, we could spend forty five minutes listing them all and that'd be kind of tedious by the end. So I guess the main jobs are so it's involved in the manufacture of important proteins. 
things like albumin, which is a protein that's in your blood. It kind of basically keeps the fluid in uh, in your veins and stops it seeping out into the tissues. Um, it's involved in the manufacture of proteins that help the blood clot. So again, you know, vitally important there. Um, it's involved in uh, carbohydrate metabolism and fat metabolism. It uh, is a store of nutrients. You have glycogen uh, being stored in your liver. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's really important for um, taking out nutrients, taking out chemicals, potentially detoxifying toxins in the, uh, in the blood, um, and uh, particularly blood coming from the gut. And uh, it's involved in the production of um, waste products. It makes bile, this yellowy liquid. You've got tubes running down through your liver into which the liver drains bile. And bile has a few jobs. It's uh, involved in the excretion of waste waste products but it's also important in the digestion of fat so a whole bunch of uh, important uh, important jobs that uh, basically keep your body running keep your body functioning i mean it it sounds like almost a complete ecosystem of things that are going on in our body that are somehow connected to the liver yeah and you know if your liver's not working well you're you're pretty sick what percentage and i mean i'm just ballpark figure what percentage of people begin to you know have liver issues is this a a pretty predominant group of people and i don't i'm not saying you know where they are on the uh you know and on cultures etc but just in general liver issues affect most of us at some point um so i guess mild liver issues will affect you know probably 20 30 40% of the population at some point fortunately more severe liver issues they're pretty rare okay what are mild liver issues? <laughs> so that's, you know, for example, you've got, say, a little bit of fat in the liver or you've got some mild underlying liver inflammation, uh, but it doesn't progress. It doesn't get any worse than that. It doesn't have an impact on how the liver functions. Okay. So if getting fat in a liver is an issue. Getting fat in the liver can potentially be an issue. I mean, there's this uh, th- th- this thing called fatty liver disease, or uh, to give us this full title, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Yeah. And we give it that title to kind of differentiate it from the similar sort of fatty changes you can get in the liver in people who drink too much alcohol. Yeah. But yeah, we're generally when we're talking about fatty liver disease, we're not talking about the changes due to alcohol, but we're talking about fat deposition in the body uh, due to underlying conditions such as high blood pressure such as diabetes Mm. such as high cholesterol such as obesity particularly carrying too much weight around your midriff and you know these are all super common problems in the western world and also here in the gcc so and and this is i mean fatty liver disease i've been reading about this and it's it's huge yeah i mean they say kind of up to about 30 40 percent of all adults in the u.s have uh, some form of fatty liver disease yeah the, the one of the issues as I'm reading about, let, you know, let's stick with fatty liver disease for a second. Mm. But as I'm reading about things with the liver, one of the issues is sometimes it's hard to actually, you know, things are going on with your liver, but you don't necessarily notice it until way down the line. And you can live pretty comfortably without any sort of symptoms that are, you know, jumping out at you. And I thought this is this is kind of scary. 
Yeah, I guess it is. And you're absolutely right. I think the majority of uh, liver issues are only discovered by chance. Maybe you have some blood tests for some other problem or as part of a health check or an ultrasound scan of your tummy looking for other issues. And the doctor notices, oh, okay, there might be something going on with the liver here. And, you know, your liver, there's this huge organ. It has very, very few nerve endings. Really, Ah. the only nerve endings in the liver are in the the capsule, the surrounding surrounding, uh, capsule of the liver so inside the liver there's no there's there's no nerve endings so there's you nothing don't feel to pain hurt. from the liver there's oh, nothing to okay. hurt absolutely so you can get inflammation in the liver you can get scarring in the liver you can get infection in the liver and you may not know about it i mean this as an organ the more i read about it and the more i hear about it and as you're talking about it it becomes kind of fascinating in that it does so much mm. yet it kind of just works in the background mm. and you know what's like really amazing about the liver it's kind of pretty much the only you know solid internal organ in the body that can regenerate itself so you can remove up to about 75% of the liver and without the remaining 25% it will kind of regrow new cells it'll regrow the capacity of uh, of a full liver um, and also there's a huge amount of uh, kind of uh, uh, reserve there so you could kill off 80 maybe 90 percent of liver cells and your liver would still pretty much just about function normally but once you get over that tipping point once you've got something going on in the liver that kind yeah. of kills off more cells you get below that 20 10 percent mark that's when you start getting big big problems because all those vitally important jobs of the liver is not doing so well and you could get down to that mark and not really know things are going on because you've got no nerve endings. You're not feeling any pain uh, it, you, unless you notice other things, you know, byproducts of the liver that are, you know, by functions of the liver in the rest of your body that, that are kind of going wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And worldwide, that's why liver disease is such a big, big problem because it's, you know, you, you, you can have issues with your liver for years and years and years and you wouldn't know about it. it it's, it's, Issues with your liver, and if you've had it for years and years and years, Mm. because it regenerates, because it can regenerate, is it one of those one of those situations where if things are all going wrong and you catch it a little later, it's still bad, but there's hope. Is it one of those kind of situations? Yeah, I think that's the case. I think if there is an underlying liver problem, uh, an underlying disease that causes long term inflammation in the liver, then you know, even you catch it, you know, a number of years down the line, if you then remove whatever's causing that inflammation or suppress whatever co- uh, whatever's causing that inflammation, you can stop the damage to the liver and it has a chance to recover somewhat. Now, there are, you know, certain stages of liver disease that one can't necessarily recover from. So if there's significant scarring in the liver, if there's liver cirrhosis, well, that scarring is probably always going to be there, mm. but your liver can still regenerate generate a degree of capacity and you can live a pretty normal life interesting so let's let's jump back a little bit because we've got lots of lots of different terminology that's been going on here and we're talking about words that people are you know scarring of the liver and cirrhosis and we're hearing all of these things and look we, we all watch way too many medical shows so we've we've heard these things let's let's jump back to when we start talking about different diseases that can affect your liver, let's can we go through a, a you know just a little a little list of some of the things that we want to keep our eye on, some of the things we want to we want to be thinking about, and and possibly what the implications of some of these things that can go wrong with our liver 
are. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a really good way of looking at it is maybe dividing things into acute liver diseases and chronic liver diseases. Okay. And I think it's worth, worth uh, you, explaining you, you, those terms I as think well. so, because, you know what, <laughs> it's like everyone, and, and sometimes, I, you know, people will say things, and we hear the words all the time, acute mm. chronic, and it's like, oh, yeah, 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 and then, you know, and then, you know people get on and say, oh, i gotta, I got to look this up on Google. I have no idea what we're talking about here. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, do- as doctors, we're pretty guilty <laughs> of just kind of bandying around medical words that we know what it means, but we kind yeah. of, like, uh, you know, forget that... Uh, they're medical words, and people yeah. may not necessarily quite get it. So, all righty, acute diseases, uh, whether we're talking about livers or whatever, really we're talking about diseases that, you know, last for days or possibly weeks. Mm. Whereas, but they'll go away. Yeah, they, they, okay. they will typically go away. Whereas chronic conditions, we're talking about diseases that last for months and typically for years. So it, it, it's a matter of time. Acute are kind of short-term things. Chronic is kind of long-term things. Okay, so we've got acute and chronic mm. liver issues. When we start looking, so let's maybe let's start with acute. Mm. So with acute, you've got something, and and most things that make the liver upset tend to be inflammation of the liver. And inflammation in the liver is what hepatitis is. Hepatitis is just one of those medical terms that we doctors like to bandy around (laughs) to confuse people. And it just means inflammation in the liver. Anything with itis means inflammation. So we're talking hepatitis, inflammation. Are we talking, when I say inflammation, you know when you get kind of an inflammation in your arm and and you kind of see something kind of getting is, is it that kind of inflammation where it you physically get some swelling or so you can get a bit of swelling in the liver and inflammation but remember it's deep inside so yeah, you yeah. can't see it you might get a bit of kind of mild uh, discomfort on the right upper side of your uh, tummy which is where your liver's located but generally you wouldn't feel okay. too too much but yeah if you were to kind of dive into your body if you were to you know miniaturize yourself and go in there or you know sort of cut open the liver you'd see that it was uh, it was inflamed it was a bit red it was a bit swollen absolutely okay. right. um so yeah so acute things generally there is a brief insult to the liver there's something happening to the liver to make it unhappy and as a result you get inflammation you get see markers of inflammation going up in the liver and then your body gets rid of whatever's caused the insult or it goes away or you stop taking it and then the inflammation in the liver gradually over days or weeks settles down completely back to normal so Mm. typically there's no long-term liver damage from an acute liver injury from acute hepatitis so uh, when you get an acute situation something has come in to make the liver unhappy Mm. and hopefully you've removed whatever you did to cause that or the situation that you were in so that it goes back to living in a in a relatively normal environment yeah absolutely that's that's completely it and the sort of things that can make the liver temporarily unhappy like that well we've got viruses so the hepatitis A virus is a really good example of this. You get infected by the hepatitis A virus. It's often uh, transmitted through contaminated food or contaminated mm-hmm. water. It makes your liver sick. It makes your liver inflamed. You'll kind of feel tired. You'll feel lethargic. You may feel a little bit fluey. You may get a bit of discomfort. You may well become jaundiced. 
and that's because your liver isn't processing ah, the, okay. uh, the the bilirubin, the bile, so well. So it's building up in your bloodstream, and you can see it in the whites of your eyes. And then over a week, two weeks, three weeks, your body will get rid of the virus completely, and the liver will breathe a sigh of relief, and the inflammation will go down again. But you know, it can take about six weeks or That's so. A long time. So p- potentially, yeah, you can take six weeks to get full recovery. But you know, pretty much almost always, you do recover from from this. So hepatitis A is a good example. Is hepatitis A something you can get a shot for? I know that's hepatitis C, right? I think that uh, it's actually not a hepatitis C. Is the one of the uh, alphabet of hepatitis that we can we can talk about. This later is the one that you can't get a shot okay, for. Right. So hepatitis A you can get a shot for and it uh, protects uh, against uh, against infection so it's uh, definitely right. a worthwhile thing to do. Um, other viruses that can cause an acute hepatitis, um, hepatitis B, um, and we'll talk a bit more about that in the moment uh, in a moment because that's an interesting virus. Um, COVID can cause uh, an acute hepatitis as well. Yellow fever can cause an acute hepatitis. But I guess the big viruses are hepatitis A and hepatitis B that can cause an acute hepatitis. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of that, there's other things that can do it. For example, drinking ridiculous amounts of alcohol in a short space of time can Mm -hmm. cause an acute hepatitis. Um, Taking uh, certain medications, uh, a few antibiotics have got hepatitis as a potential side effect. And as soon as you stop taking those antibiotics, the hepatitis tends to improve. Um, Other medications, um, before I moved to uh, Dubai, I used to work in China, um, and herbal medication is quite popular there. Um, And um, quite a few different herbal medicines can potentially Mm. cause liver inflammation as well. So it was something I saw a few times over there. Which is a crazy thing, because we always think herbal things, okay, no side effects, there's no no garbage in them, Mm. this is going to be good. I mean... And, and yet, so many byproducts mm. in and you know, in medicine. fairness, quite often they can they can be good. And yeah, I, yeah, there's yeah, a for whole, sure. The whole bunch of stuff that we don't really understand about it, but equally, you know, you yeah. don't really know what's in there. You don't know what chemicals are going to be in there. <laughs> yeah. And there certainly are chemicals in herbal medicines that can irritate yeah. and, and damage the liver. Um, and pregnancy actually is uh, interesting. Get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's weird, isn't it? But in the particularly in the later stages of pregnancy, there are a few fortunately very rare conditions where all the hormonal changes cause liver inflammation and can cause an acute hepatitis. And that can be something that can be pretty dangerous for both the mother and huh. the the unborn child. So yeah, and I've never know. heard of that one. That's, yeah, that no, one's new on me. It, it can happen. It's pretty rare, but it's, okay. it it can be an emergency. You can you know, call for an early delivery to and and that will typically stop the issue yeah wow okay so these are all, all, all the sort of things that can cause an acute hepatitis. You know, as we said, a hepatitis inflammation in the liver that lasts for days or typically a few weeks. And, you know, you get pretty unwell from it potentially for um, a week or so. And you're, then your liver recovers. You get rid of whatever's causing the so problem what, and everything goes back to normal. When you say you start feeling unwell, what are the symptoms that start to creep in as you're mm. dealing with these things? So typical things may include 
tiredness uh-huh. they may include kind of maybe feeling a little bit fluey particularly if it's a virus that's uh-huh. causing it you may feel a bit achy uh, you may get a little bit of mild discomfort in the right upper side of the uh, of the abdomen depending on the degree of liver inflammation you could get the jaundice we mentioned earlier um, and in very very severe cases where the liver is really quite sick it's not functioning well at all you can get increasingly confused increasingly sleepy Mm. you may find maybe that your blood isn't clotting so well you're bleeding easily because remember we spoke earlier one of the important jobs of the liver is making those proteins that help the blood clot which i never knew either like this is this is pretty important (laughs) okay so all these things start to creep in and as the as this is starting and i guess it's as it's prolonging you know if, if you're feeling a little tired we all feel a little tired once in a while we all have a little ache and pain once in a while but if it's persisting time to go see the doctor and and have a chat <laughs> and, and not rely solely on Dr. Google because at that point you're going to think your life's over. Uh, well, that, that's true. Yeah, I know so many people with whatever problem they come to see me in clinic and say, I read on Google. Dot, dot, dot. It's, yeah. like, it's like your eyes rolling in the back of your head. It's like, wow. And, you know, you can get a lot of super important information yeah. from the internet, but I guess it's all about context, isn't it? Yeah. But definitely, if you're kind of concerned showing any signs of jaundice, you know, you're, the whites of your eyes are going yellow, your urine's starting to look like tea. You know, go along to a doctor, get that checked out. I mean, that's, that's those are important. two easy markers, aren't there? Those you, are two easy markers, yeah. I think I think we had a child, and I know one of my boys, you know, newborn, had jaundice, mm. and, and it was it was kind of weird. It was, you know, you're looking at him, whoa. And, it, and for him, you know, this is a newborn, so it yeah. was, you know, keep him in the sunlight, and it, it all worked out. Mm. But it was it was interesting, and then as you said, urine when your urine is kind of looking like tea, and you're you're drinking and you're doing everything, you know, you're hydrating, and that happens. That's another good marker. It's like okay, yeah, go go get a check. Totally, that's a really good reason to go get checked out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's acute. Mm. Chronic. So with chronic inflammation, chronic hepatitis, chronic liver disease, typically what we're talking about here is long-term, usually quite low-grade inflammation in the liver that is going on for years and years and years. And because the inflammation's pretty low-grade, Generally, you won't notice any symptoms of this whatsoever, but it's, you know, it's insidious. Mm. And the trouble is this kind of ongoing low-grade inflammation, it can damage the cells in the liver, it can cause liver cells to start dying off and being replaced by scar tissue or what we call fibrosis of the liver. And then potentially over time, you can get enough liver cells dying off, you can get enough scar tissue in the liver that the majority of the liver has been replaced by scar tissue. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about cirrhosis of the liver. So cirrhosis is sort of pretty much a sort of end-stage scarring of the liver. And it's reaching the point where the liver is kind of at that tipping point between being able to continue functioning and not being able to do some of those vitally important jobs. Um, And a word about cirrhosis. So like so many people think cirrhosis equals alcohol. And of course, alcohol is a cause of liver cirrhosis. Probably in the West, it's the most common cause of liver cirrhosis, but it's by no means the only cause. Anything Mm. that can cause chronic long-term liver inflammation can cause liver cirrhosis. Now, if I'm coming for my regular checkup and I'm, you know, I'm doing my my fitness checkup every year and I'm getting a, you know, the battery of blood tests and I'm getting poked and all these Mm. things, would would we, would, would the medical 
tests that are being done, would they identify some of the, you know, a long-term mild inflammation in my liver? Would they pick it up? So I guess the the, the short answer is usually. Okay. Um, so as long as they're doing what we call liver function tests, uh-huh. um, and a lot of, um, you know, health screens will include basic liver function tests as part of this, two of the most important markers on liver function tests are blood tests called ALT and a ST and basically ALT and AST they're markers of liver inflammation mm. and what you're looking for you're not looking for them to being sky high yeah. you're looking for them to be subtly higher than what the lab is saying the normal range is so for most of these things we say anything above 40 is a is is slightly elevated so you're looking for subtle elevations of the ALT and the AST blood tests. Mm. So those could be a marker that there may be something going on. You don't always necessarily see it on a one-off blood test, so compare with blood tests from the previous year. Um, And a lot of health checks also include a liver ultrasound scan. And a liver ultrasound is a great basic screening test of the liver. It will show if it looks like there is any buildup of fat on the liver, this fatty liver condition we spoke Mm. about earlier. It will uh, show if the liver is looking in any way irregular or maybe potentially scarred. And of course, it's a great way for looking at any lumps and bumps in the liver that shouldn't be there. So this is, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's not an exact science in a sense, is it? It's, it's, it's not an exact science yeah. and, you know, kind of, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I mean, there, yeah. as we said earlier, there's there lots no of tools. Symptoms. There's lots of tools. There, there, there are lots of tools and it's about, you know, if you avail yourself of the tools, yeah. if you go for that yearly health check, you're much more likely to pick up if there are any subtle underlying issues going on than if you go, well, I feel fine, la, 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 who cares? Yeah, and I I think this, especially with the liver, because you're not going to feel anything Mm. necessarily, and unless you have some some big issues going on, you're not going to notice anything. Yeah, and that to me that becomes sort of that little that little nagging alarm bell in the back says, you know what, just let's just make sure so that we don't get down the road and it's like, oh, this has been this has been going on for a long time, Mm. and you should you should we should have checked this. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, I haven't been in for a checkup because I don't need to see doctors. So this is this is something to keep our minds on for sure. sure what what else falls into that category when we're talking about we're talking about chronic liver issues mm. so well let's maybe have a think about the sort of things that can cause these sort of chronic uh, inflammation even better yeah <laughs> so um as with uh, acute hepatitis uh, viruses can also cause um chronic liver disease, chronic hepatitis. Um, Hepatitis C, the the one that we haven't mentioned yet, is a worldwide, is a common cause of chronic liver inflammation. Hepatitis C is quite a devious virus. It seems to be all viruses are devious these days. Well, yeah, that's true. Look, our minds are constantly on COVID and all sorts Mm. of variations of the H1N1 and uh, and, and things. All I'm getting from the, the world of viruses is 
that they're all devious. They they are all devious. That is, that is very, very true. But, you know, fortunately, a lot of them, your body can get rid of pretty quickly. But hepatitis C is not like that. It's kind of a, it's an undercover virus. So hepatitis C, it, it's normally passed on by um, blood. Uh, so things like um, dirty needles or mm. unscreened transfusion products, things like this. Um, and... Unlike hepatitis A and indeed hepatitis B, you often don't know if you've had an acute infection with hepatitis C. It doesn't Mm. often make you feel unwell. It doesn't often cause jaundice. You you don't really know about it. Um, But over 70% of people who get infected with hepatitis C, the virus will evade your immune system, your body won't get rid of it, and it'll take a permanent residence in your blood and in your liver. Mm. And you won't know about it because you won't feel anything, but, you know, year after year after year, that unwelcome guest in your liver will cause this ongoing liver inflammation, it'll cause scarring, and, you know, worldwide, hepatitis C is a major cause of liver cirrhosis, and also liver cancer, which I guess we'll talk about as well in a bit. So hepatitis C is an important one. Hepatitis B, which we mentioned earlier, causes an acute hepatitis. You know, it causes yeah. often causes jaundice and, you know, a few weeks of, of infection. In about 10 or 15% of people... Oh, that's a lot. Get it. It's, well, it's, it's not as bad as 70%. No, no, but I'm just C, thinking it's, 10%. Like, I, always, I always grade it. If you're going somewhere and they say, hey, we're going to give you a 10% discount on that. It's like, hey, I'll take a 10% discount. So I'm thinking, yeah. that's, a good, that's no, not a good go. number, 10%. Well, that's, uh, no, that's true. So, you know, 10, 15%, so yeah. even bigger discount there, yeah. of, of people who get that acute inf- inflammation with uh, hepatitis B, again, their body won't mm. completely get rid of it and it'll take up residence in your liver causing uh, a, you know long-term low-grade liver inflammation so before um, you, before you go on so we mm. got hepatitis c which we we have an idea how we can you know work to not get hepatitis c mm. how, how can we how can we protect ourselves against hepatitis b so hepatitis b is generally transmitted through body fluids uh-huh. Uh, and blood. So again, um, dirty needles okay. is, so, is a common reason. Um, unsafe sexual practices is another reason. Unprotected okay. sex can potentially uh, potentially pass it on. Um, and also, particularly in uh, China, for example, um, passage from the mother to the uh, to, to the baby, either mm. through the placenta or through breast milk, okay. is another possibility. So what we call vertical transmission to the baby is 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 quite a common thing. Fortunately, it's less of an issue these days because of programs of vaccination and checking for women and making sure that they don't have uh, underlying um, uh, underlying uh, hepatitis B. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some that's an area that that often comes to mind. Not in talking about liver disease, but to, I'm thinking Africa and, mm. and HIV again passing with mother to child. And this is this is an area that is again really important to think about with viruses and and other things. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the, getting passed to someone who has has done nothing. <laughs> they're just they're just born, and that's you know they just happen to have inherited something that is kind of nasty. It is absolutely it's yeah. it's, it's kind of nasty thing, and you know there are things that can, that can can be done if it's found, but 
yeah. with hepatitis yeah. B, prevention is definitely okay. way, way better. Um, so hepatitis B, hepatitis C worldwide are mm. um, the most common reasons why uh, people can get uh, chronic liver disease and all the complications of that. And those viruses, they're particularly common in, um, in Africa, particularly sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, they're particularly common in East and Southeast Asia. Um, some are common in uh, Central and Central South America. Um, so yeah, whereas in the, the Western world, and also I guess in the GCC, probably the more common reasons for getting chronic liver inflammation, uh, well in the West, alcohol is a common reason, mm. and then fatty liver disease, which we mentioned earlier, because of those comorbidities, those diseases is associated with the blood pressure, the diabetes or the impaired um, glucose tolerance, the, um, the obesity, uh, the... Um, the elevated cholesterol, you know, these are all common conditions in the West. They're common conditions here in the GCC. So these are maybe more common reasons why one might get some more chronic liver disease here. So then when you start stacking, okay, you have diabetes issues, mm. you got high cholesterol issues, so you got two for two. Mm. And uh, then we've got, uh, you know, keep going down the list. You could put all of those together. Mm-hmm. This is not good. No, exactly. And, you know, those conditions often go hand in hand. Yeah. People with high blood pressure often have these other conditions. Yeah, high that- blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, if you're high fat diet, and suddenly mm. you, you're just stacking everything on it. You're putting yourself at risk. Mm. No, absolutely. And, you know, people with these conditions, they're definitely more at risk of their bodies putting down fat in the liver, just as Mm. they can put down fat elsewhere. And the liver doesn't like fat. The liver cells try to get rid of the fat and that causes inflammation and can cause uh, cause all those complications of of liver disease. So, you know, you can be a complete teetotaler, go nowhere near alcohol in your life. And yet if you've got those conditions, if you've got fatty liver, you could end up with cirrhosis just as much as if Mm. you're kind of, you know, a bottle of vodka a day, man. Just as we try to get rid of fat on other parts of our body does does this also do those techniques and those things that we're doing you know dieting eating better etc do those naturally filter through to the liver and the mm. fat disappears from there as well or yeah it can and okay. you know uh, trials on treatments for fatty liver have shown that gradual weight reduction we're not talking about crash diets yeah, yeah. here we're just talking yeah. about you know lifestyle sensible, exactly <laughs> lifestyle you know the exercise the the sensible eating that is the best way of reversing fatty liver mm. of reducing inflammation in the liver reducing the likelihood of ongoing liver inflammation and liver complications so and you know patients sometimes look slightly disappointed when i say that they kind of like <laughs> hoping look here's this pill just yeah, take yeah. this and you'll all be sorted um and in fairness there are pills that are undergoing clinical trials in the moment that sounds pretty interesting and exciting yeah. but at the moment yeah it's plain old boring diet exercise weight reduction yeah. but that really will make make a difference in reducing fat in the liver and reducing your risk of uh, getting liver issues. I mean, we're so lazy. I mean, this is the other thing. We, you know, it's, I mean, it's, a lot of this is just common sense, right? Hmm. You know, and, but no one wants to do it. It's a little bit of work to actually think about what I'm going to eat. It's a little bit of work to cut back on those things that, you know, that's strong red meat diet. It's, it's a little, you know, not, not, red meat's not bad, but in moderation. And it's a little bit of work. And no one wants to do that work. I want to. I want to just keep enjoying the way things are going. So it's it's a real challenge. But I, I get the. Do you think people are waking up to this a little bit? I mean, when they come and see you, and when they're talking about it, they realize that okay, you know what? It's really not that that hard. And there is a nice knock on effect to having a healthy lifestyle. And 
do, do you get a, a sense that when people are coming to you and they've got you know a liver disease or something that's you know that they could actually reverse that they kind of have that aha moment and it's like okay it's worth it it's it's only the case in some people so you <laughs> okay. know there's, there's there's some people you give them the talk about you know this is what's going on in the liver this yeah. is what you need to do and six months later they come and see you they're kind of you know they've yeah. shared eight kilograms or so you do their blood tests their liver markers are looking way way better and nice. that's really gratifying but equally there's a bunch of people that you give the talk to and it's uh, you know six yeah. months later they're a couple of kilograms heavier oh, and uh, and you know yeah. we're, we're, we're joking about it. it's a really really <laughs> difficult thing to do yeah. and it's yeah, you know yeah. it's it's it, it, it's not easy at all um but for those that uh, that are able to make those changes it can really make a difference. And we're not just talking about their livers, we're talking about mm. their heart health, yeah. you know, we're reducing their risk of stroke, reducing their risk of a whole bunch of cancers and all sorts of stuff. So it's really important. Well, this is again, when we, we went back to the start of the show and you were talking about all the things, all the functions in the body that have a relationship with the liver, mm. you know, right down to blood clotting, which, wow. I mean, it, you, there's there's motivation to have a healthy liver because the knock-on effect is... is yeah, but I don't know. I, I find it sort of, you know, in diseases where people feel something, they yeah, feel bad. This is the problem. I, I, yeah, I need to do something. I need to get this fixed. Diseases where people go, well, you know, I don't really feel it. Yeah, you've it. done a few blood tests, but so what? It can sometimes be harder to get the health yeah. message across, but it, it's super important. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it's it, it's out of sight, out of mind. You, you know, mm. no one really knows where their liver is anyway. So, and don't feel anything. It's like, you know, really, is it an issue? Manana, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, what can we do? People of the cancer of the liver. Mm. Never heard of this. Already. So let's talk about liver cancer. So liver cancer is kind of like a little bit of a confusing term because most <laughs> cancers that affect the liver aren't from the liver. So, you Wait, know, hold on a second. Most cancers that affect the liver aren't from the liver. Yeah. Okay. So most cancers that affect the liver are ones that have spread to the liver from somewhere else. Mm. Um, now, all the blood from the, the gut goes, first of all, to the liver before it goes elsewhere. So colon cancer or bowel cancer, stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, all of these, you know, if you've got a cancer in any of those organs, then cancer cells can quite easily spread to the liver and take up home in the liver as well. What we call secondary liver cancer or liver metastases, which is a word that we doctors use for kind of when cancer has spread to a, to another organ. Um, breast cancer can do it. Lung cancer can do it. All sorts of cancers can spread to the liver because so much blood goes mm. through the liver. Um, and so these are, these are secondary cancers that are in the liver, but they started elsewhere. But I guess when we talk about liver cancer, generally we mean cancer that starts in the liver. Oh, okay. um, and of these, there are two There are two types. The main type arises from the liver cells themselves. We call that um, hepatocellular carcinoma or HCC. Um, but you can also get cancer from the cells that line the bile ducts oh. that uh, run in the liver, something called cholangiocarcinoma. And that, that, that's much less common. So let's have a little think about HCC primary, the most common primary liver cancer. So if you have... And most cases of primary liver cancer arise in livers that have some form of chronic inflammation. Mm. By far the majority do. So if you've got a healthy liver, your chances of getting liver cancer are virtually zero. But if there's been long-term inflammation in the liver, if there's been long-term damage to the liver, this long-term 
damage to cells, this long-term inflammation of cells, can start cells changing and potentially becoming precancerous and cancerous. So the vast majority of cases of primary liver cancer we see in people with underlying liver cirrhosis or um, with other chronic liver diseases, hepatitis B virus is particularly associated with liver cancer. It does something particularly nasty to the cells in the liver, and there's a particularly high risk of um, of, of getting uh, liver cancer with uh, hepatitis B. So, you know, the same sort of diseases that are associated with liver cirrhosis, your hepatitis B and C, your alcohol, your fatty liver, these are also the most common risk factors for developing liver cancer. Mm. Now, on top of that, if you have these liver inflammation, these, these conditions causing liver inflammation, there are a couple of other things that if you do will increase the likelihood of changes and damage to the cells causing cancer. And these include our old friend smoking, which, you know, seems to be associated pretty much with every disease under the sun. Yeah. And, um, also, there's kind of a, there's a there's a toxin produced by a type of mold or fungus that lives on uh, wheat or uh, groundnuts in Africa and East Asia, something called aflatoxin. Um, and uh, you know, it, th- these are areas where hepatitis uh, B, in particular, is is endemic. Uh, and so, exposure to these aflatoxins again increases the damage that the hepatitis B and other chronic liver diseases cause. But yeah, basically, you know, alcohol. Fatty liver, viruses, and smoking are, are kind of bad things. So what, what do I do to, to just generally have a healthy liver? What can I do to just keep my liver function up? And hopefully I'm, I'm mindful of my exposure to other things, my hepatitis viruses and things, and I'm just at least not getting myself into a situation where those, can, those nasties can come knocking at the door. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, sort of avoiding exposure to hepatitis yeah. viruses, the, the, the B and the C. Yeah. A is not an issue in terms of these long-term things, but B and C, yeah. uh, you know, the things spread by... My blood and body fluids it's important to avoid those and hepatitis b is something that you can be vaccinated against mm. as well hepatitis c sadly there's no vaccine at the moment but hepatitis b there's a good vaccine immunity levels will wane over time so it's important to get boosters every yeah. you know eight to ten years or so um so that's an important thing but other things that we can do in terms of our general lifestyle, in terms of our diets for keeping our liver healthy, well, alcohol, we said, is, uh, is a common issue, particularly in the Western world. So either alcohol avoidance or moderation with alcohol is clearly going to have a big, big impact in reducing the likelihood of getting liver issues. And then fatty liver. So keeping on top of your weight, eating sensibly, taking regular exercise, these are other ways of reducing, you know, the likelihood of, de- of developing fat deposition in mm. the liver and so reducing the likelihood of you getting long-term liver disease. So, you know, actually, it's pretty simple it to look at. Like it actually. I mean, it sounds simple. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these things can be kind of easy to talk about and more difficult to yeah. do. But, you know, your liver's a pretty resilient organ, so generally it'll look after itself. I mean, people often ask me in clinic, oh, yeah, do I need a liver cleanse or well, something Well, I was like going to ask you that because I see these all the time. Get this liver detox. It's going to – and I'm kind of looking at 
back going, really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's there's no evidence that uh, that these are going to be particularly helpful. The liver is, yeah, you know, I mean, one of the jobs of the liver is detoxifying, yeah. and you know, as long as you're not damaging the liver by you know drinking uh, excessively or you're doing all these yeah. things that can cause too much fat in the liver, your liver does a pretty good job of detoxifying itself. So there really isn't any evidence that liver cleanses are going to be helpful at all. You know, on a, on a side note, mm. sometimes go by the butcher shop and you see the offals that people are cooking up, which liver is usually in there. Mm. I'm going, there's no way I'm never going to eat a liver if I have a choice. Never. Get, just from this conversation of all the things that happen <laughs> in a liver, for, you know, I, and I'm, I'm thinking any mammal has got similar function in their liver. You don't want to be touching that. That's that's not a good thing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're, 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 they're apparently full of, uh, full of nutrients. I remember when I was a little boy, my granny used to feed me liver that's on a the granny used basis. to tell you this right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite so. this is what we have available yeah. and you know james it didn't do me any harm whatsoever so there we go yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. man um are you finding a, a higher incidence of people coming into clinic uh, being either having liver issues or just simply being more aware and more concerned um yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, here in uh, in the UAE, I'm not seeing the same number of people who, you know, might be coming to see me in clinic when I was working in the UK with the uh, the hepatitis B and right. C, mm-hmm. with the alcohol-related issues. I mean, you know, of course, they still yeah. exist, but we're talking about much lower numbers. But in terms of, uh, you know, people who might be having fatty liver, maybe something that was picked up on a blood test or on an ultrasound scan, you know, I think there is a bit more awareness going on there. So we are seeing people. But equally, there are people who, you know, you flip through their old blood test results and you see for the last yeah. 10 years they've had slightly elevated numbers in the liver and, you know, no one's really picked it up or no one's really said anything and it's just kind of gone mm. gone by. So I think there is a lot more awareness that is needed and, you know, hopefully doing podcasts like yeah. this will, will help a little bit in that direction. October is Liver Cancer Awareness Month? October is, and now obviously it's overshadowed somewhat by breast cancer and, yeah. you know, understandably so but uh, yeah october is also liver cancer awareness and you know i'm embarrassed to admit james i didn't know that until this october really? i had no okay. idea you know i've yeah, been yeah. a gastroenterologist for i don't know how many years <laughs> yeah. and i didn't know it and i guess you know i, I can actually tell you over 25 years oh uh, there we go thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you've got my cv there <laughs> yeah um, so uh, you know back in the uh, in the uk where i did all my training and most of my practice uh, liver cancer is i don't know something like the, the 17th or the 18th most common cancer it accounts for probably less than two percent of okay. the uh, the cancers we find so you know we see it yeah. but it, it it it's you know even as a gastroenterologist i'm seeing much more colon cancer much mm. more pancreatic cancer much more stomach cancer and so on um and here in dubai it's not a particularly common cancer either whereas in other countries it, it's way more important you know not too far away in egypt um liver cancer um accounts for I think it's about 20 or 23% of all cancers wow. in Egypt. It's the number one cause of cancer there. It's the number one cause of cancer in a number of Southeast Asian countries. Um, and this is, uh, you know, sort of due to in, in Egypt, um, hepatitis C is particularly endemic. Mm. In Southeast Asia, hepatitis B is, is a common issue. So it, it varies really very, very much from country to country, depending on the preponderance of those different risk factors for yeah. liver disease. Last words on talking about livers. If you had advice to people, like your your thoughts. 
goes well with onions and uh, <laughs> yeah okay no, sorry I, I forgot I thought we were in the cookery podcast uh, yeah so just you know look after it don't be don't be overly concerned because your liver's a pretty resilient organ it's pretty good at looking after itself but don't you know don't flog it don't you know, drink ridiculous amounts of alcohol you know if you do drink alcohol make sure you do it in moderation that you're not doing it you know sort of every night and also just keep an eye on your weight and that's general health advice is going to be helpful for so many things and if you do these things you know it, check on your liver when you have a health check from time to time but your liver's likely to be able to look after itself but just don't abuse it there we go the words from dr neil galatoly thank you very much for joining us on the podcast and if you want to get in touch with dr neil really simple you can find him over uh well you can find him on instagram at dr neil dubai and we can get in touch with you over at the clinic can't we also absolutely yeah no if you uh, have any concerns about your liver or any other gastro related issues please do come and see me in clinic i work at uh, health bay day surgery center on wazzle road just right next door to that great big green j3 mall there we go thank you very much for joining us on the podcast and look forward to talking to you again really really soon i'm james pikeway we're coming to you from the rove hotel downtown dubai this is doc talk